Nice. Yes. It's, uh, <sighs> Hello. Three-part harmony. <laughs> you should start a barbershop quartet that's just nothing but Skype sounds. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, someone probably has done that. I wouldn't be surprised. Pentatonics, but make it Skype. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, how are you doing? Um... I'm hanging in there, Joe. I'm hanging mm. in there. Mm. It's a it's a new day, um, or a new afternoon actually, and uh, I've taken it rather easy uh, today, and I'm happy about that. Honestly, not ready for the week to start again as my uh, work week starts tomorrow. Um, I, I do Tuesday through Saturday, so. Um, Mondays are still rest days for me, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like oh the weekend's over already. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. How about you? Well, I had that experience yesterday, except I was also working. So I guess the I had that feeling Saturday then because I didn't work Saturday. So anyway, <laughs> the, the, yes, I also dreaded the week, and then it, then it happened. Um, so there's nothing. <laughs> it's weird how it. no matter how much you dread it. It still just keeps happening. It's, yeah. it's like dreading it doesn't actually solve anything. No, no. It's a time is the fire in which we burn. Uh, so there's not much we can really do about that because, uh, uh, you know, these, these wheels keep on turning. It's that fire. implies yeah. that some of us are made of like gold and therefore those would be people who die quite young um, as gold has a lower melting point. Some of us are made of like, I don't know, long chain carbons or something and live to be 120. And um, some of us fall somewhere in the middle. I don't know what the melting point of steel is, but uh, maybe you do. Do you know the melting point of steel? I don't. That's not an invitation to set me on fire either. Uh, I I have have no idea what it is. Uh, What could it be? The melting point of steel. Now, be careful, because when you do this, you're going to end up getting put on a list of people that are 9-11 truthers. So just know that if you're doing a search for that, that that's what's going to end up happening. All right. So anyway, the melting point of steel, it looks like, I guess, is around 1500 degrees Celsius-ish. Uh, Depends, I guess, if it's stainless steel or some other alloy, but uh, oh. in that neighborhood. Or uh, 2700 50 Fahrenheit, uh, for those who care about that sort of metric. Uh, although at that point, it just seems like, who who cares? Uh, Sorry, what steel is. is 1,700? Uh, it looks Celsius? like it's 1,500-ish oh. for stainless, 1,510-for stainless steel, or maybe some alloys are 1,436 degrees Gotcha. Celsius. Uh, so Gold looked- is 1,064 Celsius, yeah. so yeah, much, much lower. Um, yeah. I, I'm very hardy and robust, I guess. But uh, the the uh, yeah, it's just not one of those things that I really want to do. I'm not, I'm not really a I'm not a smelter. Um, I don't <laughs> really want to pursue that. <laughs> um, he who smelt it, dealt it, as they say, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that it, it's it's necessary to have these metals um, and to make things with them and melt them into certain shapes and stuff. And sometimes that there's a chip shortage or whatever, and. Other times there's not, and sometimes you make things with technology, and sometimes you don't. Uh, and sometimes yeah. you use, you sort of smelt your words into a transitional phrase called a segue. And if if the melting point is just right, and you and you and in the crucible that is 
uh, the spoken word in, in the bard's crucible, if you will, you uh, perfectly purify the, um, the, the words that you go for. Then you come up with this beautiful segue uh, that leads us into talking about technology, which is ostensibly what this podcast is about. So I, I congratulate you, sir, on um, your tungsten level uh, segue into the Apple TV. Am, am I the bard or the crucible in this scenario? Your words are the bard, and your brain is the crucible. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, move over, Shakespeare. Uh, here comes me. Here uh, comes Steel. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, what the melting point of Shakespeare is. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we got a new Apple TV, finally. Uh, long rumored. They're making it. It happened. Uh, we talked about it before. There's some things that are old, some things that are new. Um, nothing blue, though. Something blue, darn yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just a. Well, I guess it could be blue depending on the color balance uh, set, settings that are on your TV. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of. Uh, it's there. And uh, then the. It, now, there. hold on. I, it's I, there? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, what do you mean it's there? So well, you're not. Okay. So, mm-hmm. folks. Um, you know, Mark, stop the presses, mark the balance sheet, and I don't know, bang the gavel, and all those other things that signify something important, uh, make the town crier shout, because you purchased, oh dear, um, you purchased the new Apple TV, and um, you have it. I, I only purchased the Siri remote, I have not purchased the new Apple TV, but you purchased the new Apple TV, and... I assume you've set it up and it sounds like you're it's it sounds to me like you're saying, well, no, it's not. It doesn't just sound to me like you're saying you did quite indeed say it's 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 there. So not enthused. Um, I mean, I was, in, you know, a little enthusiastic about it. Uh, it's, it's 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 being a little silly uh, in that regard. I I happened to write a couple words, which I haven't done in a very long time. Uh, well, maybe more than a couple words. Uh, but it it was uh, it, it's something that was interesting to me that it had changed significantly in one regard, and that was the remote. And as we discussed last time, if I was going to spend sixty dollars uh, to put a new remote with my old uh, Apple TV from twenty fifteen, I might as well just spend a little extra and buy an entirely brand new one. Uh, and then justify uh, migrating that other Apple TV to another room in the house. Uh, so yeah, I did. I did the great, the great purchase and the the great migration of uh, my <laughs> Apple TV settings from one to the other. the The living room uh, now belongs to the Apple TV 4K uh, sixth generation model, and the uh, the TV in my office is now using the Apple TV HD, which is what they call the fifth, the fourth generation Apple TV that came out in 2015, which I bought in October of 2015. Um, so it was uh, interesting to set it up since I had not done one and I had not done a setup process for one of these in a while, uh, you know, five and a half years. Uh, and there are some things that are different. And I can't remember you, you have a, a 4k, but of the previous generation, right? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. So some things I'm saying may be the same as what you experienced, and some things may be uh, different since I didn't set up a 
new Apple TV from scratch in the intervening five and a half years. Uh, but the purchase process was interesting. I went to the Apple store uh, to do a pickup, uh, waited in the line. They guided me over to a table. The guy handed me the thing after, you know, shooting the breeze for a little bit because um, they have those little runners uh, bring out the actual product to the person who's conducting the thing that you're waiting with. Right. Uh, and that guy uh, who I was talking to uh, was excited because he had also just purchased the Apple TV uh, 4K of this generation and it replaced an Apple TV HD that he had. And he uh, asked if I had a HomePod and I said no. And he said, well, you should really buy uh, HomePods, a pair of them specifically. And I said, didn't they discontinue the HomePod? And he dodged that question and said that the audio is just really great from uh, having them paired up with the Apple TV. And so then I was just standing there, sort of aghast, just like, you're recommending I spend $600 on buying two Apple, t- uh, to buying two HomePods for an Apple TV so that I can uh, hear, hear some, uh, some Dolby Atmos stereo sound. Uh, off of these these bad discontinued boys discontinued products but oh. they're discontinued i mean they're still selling them uh so it's not like they're they're like uh n- no longer available and he's offering to like sell me these out of out of his trunk or something uh but it is it is no longer a product that is in active development where they're not making a new home pod there's no home pod 2 coming out um so i was just a little i was a little surprised by that uh but i got it took it home uh, set it up. The cords and cables are the same, so there was no big deal with that. Uh, the uh, TV. Oh, and he did offer uh, to sell me an HDMI uh, cable if I didn't have one already, um, which is a part of the Apple TV process that uh, I do not enjoy because uh, Apple will sell you a $30 Belkin HDMI cable uh, rather than in bundling an HDMI cable with their product. Uh, they're $180 product that is 200 and I want to say $202 after taxes. Uh, so anyway, took it home, set it up. I, it has a thing where you like push the, uh, you need to push the remote. Otherwise it has all the languages of like, Hey, push the remote, but you can't read them. Um, but you kind of intuit that it's there. Cause there's an <laughs> image of the remote on the side of the screen. Uh, and it asks if you want to set up the Apple TV from, uh, an iPhone that you have. And to bring that iPhone near to the Apple TV, uh, this works uh, similarly to what how it sort of worked before, except this time you're populating it with uh, information that exists in iCloud, uh, since your Apple TV uh, stuff kind of gets stored in iCloud, kind of. And uh, the process also asks you if you want to migrate over your privacy settings, your existing privacy settings that you had on your previous Apple TV, which is apparently also stored in the iCloud, but uh, the other settings of your Apple TV, such as your audio and video settings, your settings for what the home button does, your settings for uh, any of the other stuff, they don't migrate. Uh, so you are just kind of stuck resetting all that stuff. And if you have a TV that doesn't have um, a compatible HDMI CEC setup where it, the Apple TV can determine your refresh rates, then you have to manually go through the list of checking all of the refresh rates your color balance setting doesn't copy, even though you may have just set that up recently. So you need to redo that color balance setting. Uh, it, it was a few steps more than I would have enjoyed. However, uh, to their credit, it does copy over the home screen full of apps uh, in the places that they were after momentarily blinking and showing me the default one. And then I was like, oh, no, it didn't work. Uh, but, uh, but you know, this is just a moment. It comes, it comes back. 
and then it all downloads as if you bought a uh, an iPhone and you were uh, restoring from an iCloud backup and it was downloading all the apps. Um, however, uh, since it is doing that, it is not uh, actually syncing any information. Oh, and there's a, an option to keep your home screens in sync going forwards if you have multiple Apple TVs. And of course, I agreed to that because that would just make everything easier if I didn't have two different uh, home screens to juggle and everything was in the same place. Unfortunately, like I said, it doesn't synchronize any of the login information. So I have two different uh, Apple TVs in my house now where if I log into, log out of, or change a password on any of them, then I need to do that process again on the other one. Uh, and and also on my iPhone or any other connected product that, that I own from Apple because there is no unified uh, sign-on experience for this stuff. That single sign-on thing is only if you had a cable company uh, and your apps are through that cable company and it uses that for verifying logins. There is also the downside that uh, many of these logins are still ones where it requires you to enter your email address and your password uh, instead of providing you with one of those URLs that you type into like youtube.com slash activate uh, inside of a browser or something like that. Uh, you still have to manually enter this stuff um, in several of these services. Uh, and some of them um, like uh, Prime Video have a QR code that you can scan and it will open the Prime Video app on your iPhone and then use that to do a handshake to authorize the device. So you don't have to type anything, uh, which I found to be the most easy out of those options. And you still have the option to restore purchases on some things that you may have signed up for using an in-app purchase subscription model. Uh, you may not remember all of the ones that you used uh, an in-app purchase subscription to sign up for. So yep. <laughs> you kind of can roll the dice on whether or not that button does anything. Uh, I am sort of at a loss for why in the year 2021, there's still a manual button to check whether or not you've paid for something as opposed to the system just checking whether or not you right. paid for the thing. Right. Uh, I don't know what the point of having that extra step is. Uh, it doesn't seem necessary at all, especially if it is just going to authorize and uh, uh, allow me to use the app it doesn't require any additional sign-on steps uh so it doesn't seem like it's a security issue it just seems really strange at the uh, same time i don't really want them to take away that button because it gives it's like the elevator door close button or the i want to cross the street button it feels good to hit that button and know that it's or think at least that it's doing something and if some, you know, the system didn't load something for some reason, something's not popping up, then I, without having a contact support, have a way to make something happen. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I agree with you that it's, it's silly that it doesn't just check that whenever you open the app, but it is kind of nice in a world that increasingly uh, is, or I shouldn't say in a world, in the tech that's increasingly becoming more kind of, um, simplified to the point of not really know to obscurity it's kind of nice to have a button that i know does a specific thing that i'm asking it to do yeah i i mean i would want to i would want to have some sort of manual step especially if you want to log in with other credentials that are not the ones that you use for itunes true yeah um however i would want to first log me in through itunes and or i don't know what they call it these days uh the log me in through the in-app purchase subscription that I have paid for. And then if I decide, oh no, this isn't the one I want to use right now. I want to log into a friend's or uh, because they're over or something, something completely legal uh, or or any other scenario, 
then uh, I would want to be able to manually log out and then either hit restore purchase or enter something else. Um, but it would be nice if the first step of verifying whether or not I had a purchase was there or asking me, do you want to use your existing subscription for this instead of restore purchase, which doesn't show you anything about what your current status is or what Apple thinks your current status is. Uh, that is just sort of a blank that I don't enjoy. Uh, cause then I can't remember initially if it is something that I subscribe to or not. Uh, and sometimes I've signed up for these things using trials and I don't want to resubscribe to anything as a subscription. And other cases I had a subscription, like in the example of Netflix, there was a subscription through Apple, which doesn't exist anymore. And so you pay Netflix directly. However, there is no restore purchases button for that. And it's sort of like that in some of the other apps. Like if I pay uh, Paramount directly or if I pay, you know, HBO uh, Max directly or if it's something that I get for free as part of uh, an AT&T wireless or fiber account or something that I have, then, uh, or, or if you have some other service, uh, then it's one of those things where it's just like, well, restore purchases doesn't apply to me uh, in that scenario. Um, right. And so I don't know if, I really want to see that if it doesn't, if it isn't something that I want to try. Um, but you know, you can never be perfect. I just wish it, I wish it knew ahead of time whether or not I had the subscription and just would be like, Hey, do you want to use this at least or start you off in it? And then you can decide to log out of it. Uh, I think those are, would be more acceptable to me. Um, there are also, other things that you have to do when you're logging into these apps that are, you know, agreements to things. Uh, like if you open up the music app, um, you have to do that privacy agreement thing again, or the the uh, the movies app, you have to do that privacy agreement thing again. We're like, we're going to use some data, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, I don't care. Just just I remember my setting. Like, I, I don't want to yes. authorize this all the time because um, it seemingly does that every time you upgrade the OS. Uh, so it would be nice if it it's just stayed somewhere. Uh, it can be good to reevaluate when you're setting up a new device. So I did appreciate the prompt of, do you want to copy over these privacy settings? Um, but it didn't copy over all the ones like whether or not I had authorized the movie app to, to do anything. Um, and some of the other things like uh, Jason had to log into one service because he pays for a particular uh, streaming service. And that one uh, I was washing the dishes while I was doing it, so he was using the remote. And uh, he came to the conclusion that using the remote is terrible because uh, he had to enter in his email address and also uh, his his password uh, because he wasn't set up yet to use the virtual remote. Um, and uh, he, he uh, really, 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 really hated it. Uh, I didn't <laughs> want to wait till I was done with the washing the dishes. But uh, he asked the same logical question that I'm asking: Why doesn't it remember this? Because uh, it was what. The information was the information was already logged in on the other Apple TV. Um, so why why does it start from scratch? And it doesn't even populate the email addresses that you use to sign up for accounts. It only populates the email address associated with your Apple ID. So if you don't remember which email address you used to sign up for something with, then it's not going to present the right thing to you. Right. Uh, and these are minor quibbles. Like no, none of these are gonna like destroy your day or ruin your week or whatever but when you get a new product it is and you're spending um uh you know two hundred dollars with tax or whatever for this new product uh then it would be nice if some of these edges were smoothed off so it was less like using 
one of the uh, competitive uh, competing devices that costs less money, where it also has this sort of janky experience of use a URL, log in, whatever, do that loop. Um, to to really set itself apart as a premium product, I feel like it really should have a smoother login process, especially if you're upgrading models. Uh, it should be pretty seamless. And that that information should be also be kept in sync after you set up other devices. So I the situation where I would want to have two different versions of YouTube logged in on two different devices or uh, something else like that, like I can understand how that could happen if you have devices in a multiple uh, household environment, but you should be using some sort of user profile setting for that rather than relying on people to manually log in and log out of all of these apps and keep them all in sync manually. That's my feeling. I I'm with you. Uh, it's it's to this day, um, even still, whenever I've I've gone in and one of the apps is like out of date or something, uh, you know, the, the cache has expired because I haven't opened the app in a long time, and then it pops up to log in. You're, you just don't want to go through that process because it takes forever um, to to set that up. And I wish that there was a better way of of um, I mean, I, there's there's got to be a better way. Uh, and Apple seemed to be working on it with the single sign-on thing. But as you've pointed out here, and as we continue to see, it just isn't, it isn't foolproof. And I also had a lot of issues with that um, give access to your cable provider system delay because I've always been a cord cutter. And uh, from time to time, I've subscribed to some of the OTT services like Hulu's uh, Hulu with Live or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then didn't stick with it because it I was not using it really. And so uh, I still can't seem to flush that completely from my Apple TV setup. Some of the Apple TVs will still show that I have Hulu and some of the Apple TV apps still think that I have Hulu with live. And so it's, it's really frustrating <laughs> trying to get that set up. And then as you've pointed out, a lot of these systems seem to be uh, very individually minded and even on a device that has, you know, multiple user accounts, uh, as, you know, tvOS was kind of touting, it still is pretty one person minded. And so that process where uh, Jason was trying to sign in with the service that he, you know, was using and paying for versus you, um, it's just it always ends up being so difficult and really ridiculous and then makes you just not want to watch anything by the end of it you're just like i, I give up yeah so, yeah i i feel you yeah I, and i i just want to emphasize that this is not um this is not something that competitors do better um so it's not a situation where i feel like uh, a fire tv or a roku uh has a leg up um or a chromecast has a leg up uh except I guess maybe a Chromecast. I haven't used one in a while uh, in terms of being able to maintain that data because maybe it's accessing your phone. Uh, you would have to tell me uh, since I think you've used one more recently than I have. But uh, it doesn't, it, it is not, it, it's just a situation where because there is such a premium price that you're paying for this mm-hmm. that I expect a smoother experience, especially when part of the premium price is supposed to be about the uh, ecosystem being tightly integrated across all of the Apple products. And it sort of is um, when you see things like bring your iPhone closer to this device in order to authorize it. Like I didn't have to log in with my Apple ID, um, which is something that I am grateful for because I hate doing it. And I appreciate that that is not there. 
However, this device has access to all the same iCloud keychain information that my phone does. And it uses that information sometimes selectively to do certain things and not other things. Uh, and there's a storefront where it doesn't automatically check that I have purchased something. Um, so I, it, it can really be improved in terms of that tight integration. And I do hold them to a higher standard because of that. Um, but I think there's one thing we can talk about that is definitely an improvement um, over all previous experiences, and that is using the remote, um, the new remote. And uh, I don't know what your thoughts are from the one that you've purchased. Have you received it yet? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I appreciate, like we talked about before, that it is stainless steel and black. It is contrasting. You can see what it is in the peripheral vision um, without like identifying individual buttons. You can tell which way is up or whatever. Uh, I do appreciate that they added a mute button and a power button. Um, it was a little unnecessary to add the power button, but it doesn't hurt. Uh, more buttons, more better, in my opinion. Um, the Siri button, I don't like on the side. It is not as... I don't like the Siri button on the side either. Yeah, no. it is not as distracting to use as I thought it was going to be, but I do find myself turning the button towards me, the, the edge of it where the button is towards me. So I'm pushing down with my thumb uh, on it instead of sideways with my thumb, if that makes any sense. Yes, and I'm holding it, it up to my face as if it was like a little voice memo recorder where the... Right. Yeah. And so... <laughs> like you're the, like a journalist or a detective or something. Yeah. It, it looks a little silly, I guess, if you were to like watch me use it. But uh, it just feels weird to me to, to like... Because you have to choke up on it like pretty high in order to get your thumb on where the Siri button is since it's sort of near where the navigation controls are and mm -hmm. your thumb would naturally not be that high up on the side edge uh mm -hmm. so i guess that's good because you don't accidentally trigger it a lot but you do have to push it down with a little bit of force and it is kind of high up on the device so it seems like i always end up picking it up rotating the remote towards me and pushing downwards on the button i never use siri mm -hmm. on the apple tv and so the button getting out of the way for me was good um I shouldn't say never, because on occasion I will use it for um, very broad, basic home control stuff. So I will say, uh, you know, turn off the... Because there's there's one lamp that is in the living room that is, on <laughs> as is my fault, it is placed in a spot that reflects off of the television. And so whenever it shows, whenever it's time to watch something, um, the glare is bad. So I will turn that light off. And so uh, turn off living room... What is turn off turn off the table lamp is what I say. And I will use that. But outside of that, I don't really um, use Siri at all. So kind of getting it out of the way was good um, for me. But it's still strange on the side. It it I more try to avoid it because I don't want to accidentally press it. Um, even though it's so far up that, like you said, you kind of have to arrange things strangely to even press it. But I noticed that at least in early use of the device i noticed myself like kind of being overly aware of it and trying to make sure that i don't accidentally press it so that's been an interesting thing trying to figure out like am i just is it just because i'm hyper aware of it or is this going to be something that going forward i'll have to be careful um about because it's definitely a whole new you know muscle memory i have not figured out i have not memorized where all the keys are already and so the other night I noticed that uh, it was dark and um, I had the remote and we were about to watch something. And so I was trying to go back 
and I couldn't remember which button was which. And so I had to turn on a light to see which button was which. Yeah. I, and uh, I, I do appreciate there's at least a firm press that's required on the Siri button. So it, it doesn't feel as prone to accidental triggering on the edge um, as, you know, as if it were like the touch sensitive navigation buttons. Um, but the uh, it, it also seems weird because uh, my boyfriend's left handed. So if he holds the remote in his left hand, then the Siri button is where his index finger is uh, instead of the thumb. Um, so, you know, it, it can also be slightly different for people to that way in that regard, I suppose. Uh, but I, I, I'm just not thrilled with the placement. It doesn't seem to hurt anything. And to your point, you're not using Siri all the time. Um, so it's not something that will always come up and, uh, like really throw you for a loop. But, uh, it, I feel, feel like it is less than ideal. And I kind of wonder if the only reason that it's there is because they didn't want to have an uneven number of the black circle buttons on the front. And I know the oh, volume. Wow. Yeah. I know the volume makes up you know, uh, an oblong pill shaped thing, but it is essentially two black circles uh, with like a bar connecting them. Um, so I feel like it was a decision because they don't want to mess up the symmetry by having um, the mute button on the front uh, that they wanted to do that. And the power buttons at the top, but you wouldn't want to have Siri be a power button, uh, opposite of that power button on the left hand side. Um, that would be bad. Uh, and your thumb would potentially be obscuring the, the microphone port. Um, so that makes some sense why it's not there symmetrically. Um, and I know they didn't want to make the power button in that row of that cluster of black, uh, buttons because then people would be accidentally turning off their TVs all the time. Um, but it, it is, it is a situation where I, I just sort of question the design a little bit. Uh, the curve on the back of the remote is kind of nice, except for the fact that the edges are still sharp. So I don't feel like it really helps me hold it in my hand more comfortably do you find that it to be more comfortable in a general sense uh no not really um i thought i was going to and when i first saw it i was like oh yeah i like that it's heftier uh but upon greater use yeah it's kind of sharp <laughs> it's it's uh it, you, you can't sort of cradle it in the hand it, it's not uh, it's almost like it's not meant to be held it's like it's supposed to be sitting down whenever you're not using it to press buttons. It's not inviting to hold, I guess, is what I mean. Um, in compare, they just they really don't like curved stuff. <laughs> it feels like they if if they've instead of having um, sort of a, a curved remote that fits the natural curve of the palm, they're like, let's we'll give a little bit of a curve, but we got to make sure we get in those really sharp edges anyway. And that's frustrating to me. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it, it would be nicer if the edges were more like the iPhone 6 um, or something where it is the, those rounded uh, edges. I don't know why it's better to have a straight edge on a remote that goes in someone's hand. Uh, it doesn't seem good. Uh, at, or let alone to have two edges because there is that top edge uh, and then the edge along the bottom since it is perfectly flat around the sides. Uh, it, it does... It does not like you said it doesn't invite you to hold this device especially not for very long i i find myself putting it down um whenever i'm holding it uh i, I don't just like leave it in my hand uh i had a logitech harmony remote um that i would use uh back at my old apartment um and that one 
is very comfortable to hold. And sometimes it would just stay in my hand because maybe I'll use a button in a second. I don't know. And it doesn't hurt. It's fine. It's plastic and it's sort of like curvy. So it, it can just rest comfortably. Uh, and uh, that that's obviously not the vibe that Apple's going for with this device. I did think it was interesting that, um, we like we had talked about last time, they unveiled this in the same presentation as the Find My uh, AirTags. And there were some questions about uh, why doesn't the remote have a uh, U1 chip in it? Why doesn't it have any sort of like find my capability? Why doesn't it, you know, it doesn't even have like an audio ping speaker thing. Um, so when it gets lost, it's it still gets lost. Uh, and Tim Twerdle, uh talked to Mobile Syrup, um, Patrick O'Rourke at Mo- Mobile Syrup about that because uh, Patrick asked him like, hey, uh, why didn't you put that thing in that you put in the other thing? And uh, he says that it's not necessary because the remote is, thick enough that it shouldn't get lost in couch cushions anymore. Um, I don't know what couch cushions he has, uh, but I would advise Tim toward all that uh, it is still not thick enough that you will not, that you still wind up uh, getting it swallowed by a couch cushion or more often a throw pillow um, that it may be resting on. It might slide behind, slide behind or uh, down the crack between the pillow and the back of the couch, uh, as is sometimes often the case. You know, and you don't want stuff going down your crack, is what I'm saying. This is true. I mean, universal truth there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't agree with that assessment. Um, I'm not saying that it is strictly required that it have that, but I find the explanation that it is thicker, so it is not necessary to be insufficient. You could just say we didn't feel like it was important. Um, right. Uh, yeah, that yeah. did feel like a dodge, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's fine if they don't feel like it's important. I disagree with them um, because people frequently lose the remote somewhere in their living room. They put it down on a coffee table or they get up and they get something from the kitchen. And while they were doing that, they put it down on a dining room table or something. And then you're just you get back to the couch and you're like, where where did it go? And you like scratch your head for a second. and You can't find it. And then uh, it turns up after you look for it for five minutes. But it would be nice if you didn't look for it for five minutes. Uh, it seems like an ideal candidate for some sort of uh, detection technology or at least uh, uh, audio ping. Um, but whatever. Um, I'm not going to dwell on that too much. Uh, I do consider overall the remote to be uh, a a positive step uh, and that it is good uh, that it exists at all, in even in its current state with any of the things that we've said. I would rather have that exist than uh, to stick with the existing Siri remote until such time as a perfect remote could be invented um, because that, that would never happen. And uh, I, I, I'm willing to live with this. Yeah, I I really like the remote. Um, again, aside from the, the complaints that we've had, I think that it is an improvement and the, uh, the click wheel uh, mechanism is really interesting. So at first I was a little confused because when you set it up and you sort of swipe through things, swipes like a normal trackpad up down left right uh, moving your thumb along it and so i'm going okay i thought they said something about um you using the click wheel sort of like the old ipod click wheel i don't understand and then um upon more experimentation i realized that it's specifically talking about whenever you are in a show and or some sort of media and you're tracking along the timeline at the bottom um so for folks out there who are still struggling to get it to work uh resting your finger on the click wheel until you see a little circle 
pop up. It's uh, sort of a like a light gray circle with a black dot inside of it, and that is uh, the approximate location of your finger. Then at that point, you can start to use it like a. Um, a I, there's a name for that in uh, jog wheel, jog dial, yeah, jog shuttle wheel. dial. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So that I had trouble with at first, but um, once I figured it out, I thought, oh, this is much more precise. I do like this. Yeah, I, and I would also advise people, uh, if you get frustrated because it doesn't seem to be working, you may be in an app that has a playback mechanism that does not support it yet, uh, as some of them... <laughs> Which is so stupid. Some of them don't. Well, that's one of the downsides of letting everybody make their own custom players, uh, is that uh, when you roll out a new feature, uh, sometimes they don't have it. Uh, so I can't remember all, all of the ones I t- tested off the top of my head, but uh, Hulu... It did not work. Uh, and if you're in an app that doesn't work, uh, you'll also know because if you go to use the jog wheel, it will go forwards and then it will go backwards and then it will go forwards and then it will go backwards uh, because what you're actually doing is rotating your thumb across the four cardinal directions of this navigation system of up, down, left, and right. There are no in-betweens. So when you're rotating your thumb around it, when you hit the forwards, it goes forwards, and when you rotate around to the other side, it goes backwards um, because it doesn't have, it it doesn't understand that you are rotating your thumb. It's only in that special use case of being in uh, some, it, it being in a player that understands the jog wheel where that little circle has appeared, that it will actually behave like a wheel, only under those conditions. The rest of the time, it acts like up, down, left, and right, and not like a wheel at all. Um, so it is important to remember that. And if you're in an interface like the home screen where there's a grid of icons and you try to use your thumb across that circle, what will happen is it will, uh, your thumb will have a, you'll be on a selection in the middle, your thumb starting at the top, uh, it will go up to the next tile, and then you turn, let's say, to the to the right it will go shoot right one or two tiles, depending on how fast you tr- you rotated your thumb along that that area and it hit that, that side. And then you rotate down, and depending on how fast you hit it, it can go one or two tiles down, and then rotate it to the other side, and it can go one or two tiles the other way. And then you'll wind up doing these weird drunken spirals um, in the interface <laughs> because it doesn't it's not going to make a perfect circle because it has to do with the velocity and your velocity changes as you rotate your thumb around the circle. It's not always consistent um, because that's just your, your thumbs movement is going to not be consistent uh, in that regard. Uh, you don't have the, the kind of joint to make, make it always the same speed. Um, hey, you don't know about my thumb joints. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to imply you didn't have special wheel joints. Um, Thank you. So, so uh some of us yeah mike mike has special wheel joints uh let him <laughs> let him go in perfect circles uh in the home screen uh but, but the rest of us um you just get sort of those weird circles uh it's not a situation you will find yourself in it is more a situation where you may accidentally brush um the outer ring uh and notice that i did find that the number of instances of me accidentally triggering a navigation move have reduced off of using the old Siri remote um, even in the smaller touchpad area, they seem to have recalibrated um, the sensitivity of it uh, and also the ne- the distance necessary to move across the pad in order to make certain movements occur. 
Um, and I think part of that is because they can also offload some of that to the buttons on the touch sensitive ring. Um, and it does work like a button uh, when you when you push the outer ring uh, to go left or right instead of dragging across it, uh, it will move one tile only um, and do that as many times as you push that button. And same for the bottom, same for the left and right uh, and top. Uh, I prefer this for situations where certainty is required. And I also found that even in situations where you have long lists, that the accuracy of the swiping in the center uh, circle is improved um, because you are not required to make those wild swipes uh, like you used to be with the entire surface of the Siri remote pad um, uh, being a touchable area. So I, I think that that is all in all beneficial, even for people who prefer navigating with the touchpad. I would say that you will like using this smaller touch circle. Um, you will not feel like it is uh, impinging on your ability to move through the interface in any way. In my in my personal experience, no, I think that that's um, I think that's fair uh, and accurate. <laughs> versus um, some of, I, some of the other methods. What's interesting to me is that um, because of how much I hate the Siri remote of of your, I have pretty much moved over to using uh, the remote that's built into the iPhone control center um, previous to this, because I just, you know, I'd use the remote if it was in front of me, but if it wasn't, I'd just pick up my phone and use that to, to do the controls. And because of the HDMI CEC that's set up, I can, uh, if you have, so for folks who don't know this, if you've got the, the right television, um, that has the right technology swiping down uh, on an iPhone without a uh, home button swiping down from the top, right, of course, brings up control center and then uh, tapping and holding on the uh, Apple TV remote will bring up the remote while this screen is on um, where it shows the name of your Apple TV at the top. And then there's a large trackpad with menu, uh, the Siri button, play, pause, search, and the, uh, home button or TV app button, depending on how you have it set up at the bottom. While this app, while the screen is up, you can actually use the volume up and down keys on the side of your iPhone to adjust the volume of the television itself. So most of the time, um, you know, if, if we're watching something and it was needed to be loud for whatever reason, because we didn't hear something and you turn it back down, forget to turn it back down. Uh, I can just quickly pop into this and then push on the side on my volume down button. It will turn down the volume on the television. And so all of these buttons are there on my phone. And so I've been using that so much that um, it was kind of not as you know, eye-opening and amazing uh, to get this new Apple TV remote. My most exciting thing was seeing how my partner responded to it because for him, he hates the Siri remote of years past. And so I, it's only just been introduced to him as of Friday. Um, so I have not, you know, I, I told him, okay, give it a week. Let's see what you think of this new one. And so my review is actually his review because <laughs> he's had so many more thoughts about the uh, Apple TV remote, or, I mean the Siri remote of of your. So this is this has been interesting, but so far he really likes it. In fact, the first thing he said whenever I I pulled it out and showed it, and I said, um, "So this is a new remote." And I, you know, I'm starting to walk him through whatever, and he goes, "Wait, they listened to complaints and they made a new one." And I said, "Yes, actually, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, so, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it only took a million years, but yeah. uh, they got there. Yeah, five and a half, but who's counting? Five, five years, seven months, and however many days. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I agree. I used, uh, I used the uh, virtual remote um, on occasion, uh, especially when it's something for text entry, uh, like we talked about before. Uh, and it's also nice sometimes because if uh, you don't want to get up to go get the remote and you happen to have your iPhone already in your hand, you can use it. Although sometimes I find I'm uh, using my iPhone to look at something online um, or, or using it in some other capacity and that I don't want to interrupt whatever I'm doing in order to switch to the TV remote context. So it can be more fluid to just pick up the remote, especially if it's nearby. Um, and that is a situation where I prefer having the physical remote present uh, rather than using the virtual one, because then I don't need to interrupt uh, what I'm what I'm doing. I also don't like that after iOS 14.5, they changed the TV remote button uh, in Control Center to look like the new Siri remote. Um, because that's not what the interface for the virtual remote looks like. The virtual remote looks different. I wish they hadn't because it's not functionally the same. It doesn't look like that uh, in the interface. Uh, I wish it was the same thing as it as it was before, uh, just so you could identify what it is functionally. I know why they did it so you can associate it with the new physical hardware, but especially if you don't have an Apple TV that has that physical hardware, it may be right. even more confusing because uh, my existing Apple TV changed the icon to uh, it, it changed to that, even though it's paired up with uh, the old Siri remote that doesn't look anything like it. So I don't find that substitution to be good. Um, I mean, maybe somebody's like, hey, we'll advertise that there's a new remote by changing the icon. Um, that seems a little weird. But uh, to your point, um, the virtual remote, I'm glad that it exists. It was one of those things that didn't initially exist with the 2015 uh, uh, Apple TV. And the existing virtual remote that was used to the third gen ap- Apple TV wasn't compatible with it. Uh, and then over time, things have gotten a lot better. Um, so I think that is a situation that has improved dramatically. And I like being able to have the option of using a physical or software remote. Yes. Um, they, yeah, they both they both work uh, just fine and have kind of uh, locked in as options where I don't feel, you know, weird about picking up one or the other, which is, you know, you know, prefer one or the other, I guess is what I mean. Um, it's nice that they can all just be on the same level. Yeah, just live in harmony. Um, yeah. Imagine that. <sighs> but I don't know what else there is to say about the remote. I would just move on to some of the other things real quick. Um, unless you have something that you, an insight. Did you mention the fact that it's lost a lot of its sensors? I can't remember. Oh yeah. We, we, we discussed it last time. Um, the, uh, sensor apocalypse occurred, uh, the gyroscope and the accelerometer are no longer in it. Um, and, uh, that's fine. Uh, it was only ever used, uh, in the capacity of it being a, uh, a game controller. Um, of which it was ill-suited for and uh, didn't, didn't really, nobody, nobody, nobody used that for that. Yeah. Especially um, now that there's that built-in functionality to add a um, gaming controller to the Apple TV. So, yeah, and, I mean, Apple's even selling PS4 control, Five, whatever, PlayStation yeah, controllers. The, the, in yeah. The PlayStation DualSense uh, controllers um, are the ones that they sell in the store now for $69, $69 and 95 cents. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I 
think it's a weird move still. Um, I don't agree with the cynical cash grab of, hey, this thing also plays games. That's why it costs more. Or, hey, this thing also plays games. Sign up for Apple Arcade. You'll definitely play those games. Because uh, it doesn't feel like they're fully committed to it. They just kind of want to skim that money from transactions, uh, which I don't really appreciate. Uh, I'm not a gamer, so it doesn't I give you me. some push. The only pushback I'll give you, I because I'm not a gamer either, but I will say that I feel it's a little disingenuous to say that they aren't committed to it at all because of the fact that after Apple Arcade, and of course, we've got to see how this plays out over the course of the next several years, but I was very impressed with the sort of second um, rollout, the second push, the second introduction of a lot more games on Apple Arcade and some big players in the space that weren't there before. Um, whenever Apple announced those those new games coming to the Apple or coming to Apple Arcade, I was really impressed with some of the stuff that was there. So, I I don't I think that they are interested in it. They're just not as interested in it as other things, and it's almost like they are trying. It's it's like a hello fellow kids kind of thing to me, <laughs> where they can't figure out exactly what it takes to be like the pc or like the other successful gaming platforms and they're like um well you know we'll we'll uh, cover the rest of the market then that works and at the same time they do have you know nba 2k whatever uh in the arcade now and, and some other stuff so i do think that it's not a complete google abandonment where google does that with a lot of different projects launch it and then let it go um so that's the only pushback I'm giving is like, I do think that there's, there are some people who still care about it and are continuing to uh, update the content library. And I was very impressed with the last rollout of, of content that they added to Apple Arcade. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to make it sound like there are no games and that no games exist and that no one would play a game. Um, but the priority that Apple places on the development of those games and on making a focused game console experience is not really there that's fair to your to your point they uh the games that are coming over are uh apple arcade games that are also available on apple's other platforms and they are a play style that is uh is sometimes derogatory derogatorily referred to as casual um Mm -hmm. they are they are games that are easy to pick up and put down and they're games that are generally available for the iphone um and are uh sourced that way they come from the iphone to the apple tv uh as opposed to i would say platform gaming that more people might be thinking of like the ps5 or xbox or i don't know any of the other ps's um or even uh uh the wii back in the day although i would say maybe apple's more in the same space as nintendo uh, is these days except Nintendo has intellectual property that's interesting enough for people to download and play with uh, as opposed to Apple, which seems to have, I will charitably say, seems like um, sort of off-brand cereal sometimes, uh, like whatever that knockoff is of Zelda that they have had for several years. Uh, it's popular, uh, so it must not be bad to play, but uh, it, it is uh, a situation where they don't seem to have the the console level in terms of uh enticing people to play those console games like uh there was a new 
uh, refresh of Mass Effect, uh, which was a game franchise from many, many years ago, back from when I had an Xbox 360 Elite. And I, I used it to play uh, the, the first Mass Effect series. And the new refreshed version with new graphics, etc., is released for these high-end current consoles. Um, you, there isn't even that for the Apple TV. You can't just refresh it and put it on the platform. Um, and Apple doesn't seem to have the interest in locking in any of those sorts of things. It, it mainly seems to be about migrating iPhone stuff to Apple TV stuff because the iPhone stuff makes money. They want the Apple TV stuff to make money or to at least have someone feel like they made an investment in uh, having this thing that goes across multiple platforms. I'm not sure I fully agree or am on board with that level of thinking about it because I think people expect different things out of the thing hooked up to their television set than they expect out of the phone in their hand. Um, I could be wrong about this since I don't play games frequently as I just cited a game that was available 10 years ago, uh, <laughs> more than 10 <laughs> years ago. So uh, it, it's it, it just remains to be seen um, whether or not this sort of vague middle space exists with games where you can have these iPhone titles, no controller, but say it would be good with a controller and sell someone else's controller um, and say that that's also why it costs more money to buy this platform because it plays games. It, it feels like it's not fully committed to any particular direction when they're doing that. Like, show us your remote control. Sorry, show us your game controller. If you actually feel like people need to have a game controller, you should make one. It is very un-Apple-like to have five and a half years of recommending a third-party controller. At least it's no longer the SteelSeries Nimbus 3 because uh, <laughs> I was sick of hearing about it, but uh, it is not a situation where it makes a ton of sense because if you have a PS5, why are you buying the DualSense controllers from Apple? And if you are somebody who's in the market for a platform where you'd be buying PlayStation controllers, why aren't you buying a PlayStation? I mean, I know the answer to that is because they're apparently hard to come by, but uh, I wouldn't consider an Apple TV to be a suitable substitution just because it can use those controllers. Uh, it, it's just an entirely different gameplay system. Uh, and part of that that gaming Thing is it still also used as a justification for the 60, 64 gigabyte storage tier existing right and since the apple tv fourth generation premiered in 2015 there have been these two storage tiers of 32 gigabytes and 64 gigabytes they haven't changed and apple has never fully articulated to my satisfaction at least why you would use one over the other other than it is an upsell to get people to spend 20 more dollars to buy the 64 gigabyte one um one of the reasons that Apple has always give, uh, given for this is because it can play lots of games. If you're somebody who plays lots of games and uses downloads a lot of apps, that it will use that storage space um, to store chunks of those games. Because uh, some people may not know this, but the Apple TV games um, and other apps are all parceled up in these little chunks these uh, that can be downloaded on demand. Um, so you're not really downloading an entire game when you are playing a game, you're downloading chunks of a game. Um, I believe they're two gigabyte chunks with uh, a certain seed size that's allowed and then also a uh, maximum size before it starts flushing those chunks. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It starts flushing those <laughs> chunks out. Um, uh, but it is, 
it's not a situation where I anticipate there are a lot of people who are actually hitting that area. And Apple doesn't make it easy to see how much of your storage you're actually using on the device. You can see the number of apps you have installed. But if you're using streaming apps, it's not using a ton of disk space because they don't download anything um, to store on your drive. Uh, it's, it's not really a drive. It's to store on your sticks of memory. Um, so it is weird. It continues to be weird why there's this justification for this thing. And I kind of wonder if they had plans for something at some point um, that would have used that extra space, but it just doesn't seem to have materialized. Uh, and maybe if people start playing more Apple Arcade games and the 64 gigabyte one will make sense, but it, I feel like it is still poorly communicated uh, why that distinction exists at all. I think that... Uh... That is entirely accurate, and I agree with you on that point. It's um, I have always purchased the smaller tier of the two because I had no reason to get the bigger one. Um, given that I mostly use it as the uh, as we used to call it the Netflix box, but now it's you know the Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, all those all the different streaming things. I that's mostly what I'm using it for, mm-hmm. and so with that, I don't really um. I didn't really need a a, a reason to uh, get that bigger tier. And I think that some people who have the bigger tier, I hate to say it, but I bet that they don't even really need it. No. And, and you know, it's, it's hard once you've spent money on something um, to sort of come to terms with the fact that maybe you didn't need to spend that much money on something. So mm. you will convince yourself and maybe others that you definitely needed to spend money on the more expensive one. Yeah. I've seen justifications like, oh, it's only $20 more, so might as well just double my storage. It's like, for what reason? <laughs> why? It's, it's, like, it's like, oh, it, it only costs, you know, you know, $3 more to supersize this meal, and I'm not even hungry. And it's like, but it's just, so don't do not do that, then. You, do, you don't need the, the like, supersized fries if, you, if you're not actually going to eat the supersized fries. Uh, it's not just, you wouldn't just buy it because, you know, it's, it's, it's a deal. Um, it, it seems very artificial. Uh, although, you're... I mean, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of there's going to be a lot of uh, justification uh, that is going to occur for why that 64 gigabytes is I don't know future proofing or why uh, they feel like it is See, downloading things. Is people who future proof mm-hmm. are also the people who buy the latest thing anyway. So it, it's it seems it's kind of it's funny whenever you hear future proofing because most of the time then those people will go out and get the latest breaking thing instead. They're always future-proofing for the future. Um, and that's been my experience, at least, that they tend to be, future-proofers tend to be early adopters, and, and most times um, they just keep future-proofing for this, you know, eventual future that keeps becoming the present, so then they've got a future-proof even more and it's future proofing squared or cubed i don't know <laughs> um future proofing inception and so yeah I, I think with the apple tv uh it does seem strange to have that tier um i think i did one time get a uh notification saying hey there's not enough storage um if you want to download this app so you'll need to make storage and that was because I just had a bunch of junk on there that I wasn't really using anymore. So I deleted all of the games that I had on there no. that I wasn't playing. And then I had enough room. Uh, so it was not really a problem. But uh, yeah, the, the 
when it comes to the iPad Pro, the new iPad Pro, that one terabyte or two terabyte storage jump makes sense because of the fact that it gets you more RAM. So if you're wanting to go for the best of the best, then you do want to start at the one terabyte model. But with the Apple TV, we've not seen any difference in the performance jump between the two. So yeah, it's it's hard to justify that second price tier. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're looking for an excuse for, well, not you specifically, but if Apple's looking for an excuse to justify gaming, I think it would make more sense to charge more money for uh, a 64 gigabyte Apple TV or 128 gigabytes, give them, give them what they want, uh, and uh, put that out there for $270, $280, and uh, have that uh, tier exist as significantly higher, uh, and then say that, oh, see, look, it's a real game console, it does real game stuff, it has real game storage, it has a real game controller. Um, and then you can sell that, and then you can leave the the media tier, the the streaming nobody tier uh, down there uh, for the, for the rest of us, because um, I think it would help identify uh, and separate uh, what the purpose of these two things are, and give some kind of reason for the the configurations. Um, like you said, they are otherwise identical. Uh, they they have the same features in all other regards. Uh, so the storage difference of it's 32 gigabytes and 64 gigabytes just feels weird and it isn't something that people are going to be able to wrap their heads around when they're making a purchasing decision so you can easily talk people up into buying something for 20 extra bucks that they're not going to use um and like you said you were in a situation where you downloaded a lot of stuff uh, to test out and try out that i'm not sure a lot of other people are in um but you know if if people do find that they want that or have hit that storage limit then you know, by all means, go buy go buy the sixty four gigabyte. I, I'm not gonna like hold you back, um, but it it doesn't it doesn't seem to have any explicable. Uh, uh, there's no way to to qualify uh, appropriately what it is you're buying um, when you're doing that. You just get this sort of vague sense of if you're doing lots of apps and games, and it's like, well, what's that? What's lots? What we what, what we got here? You got five, you got you got four, you got like one really big game. Like what are we, what are we talking about when we talk about lots? Um, so it, it would just it would just be nice to separate these things out by task if if we are really going to be committed to uh, saying that 64 gigabytes is for gaming, make it a gaming thing um, and then have the other one be a streaming platform, um, whatever. And then sometimes you can play games on it or something. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't come bundled with the controller and the controller comes bundled with a 64 gigabyte one, whatever you want to do. You charge more for it. I don't care. Um, but it, it just doesn't seem to make any sense uh, with that $20 uh, jump. And the existence of the Apple TV HD, which is the 2015 model, but with the new remote, uh, it makes less sense too, because uh, it also loses a lot of the bells and it doesn't have, it never gained, the bells and whistles of the previous Apple TV 4K that was supplanted by the new Apple TV 4K. So it exists as something for people to buy, but it is technology from five and a half years ago. Um, so as far as future proofing goes, I would not invest heavily in a $149 Apple TV uh, HD model, um, nor would I recommend it to anyone. So I don't really understand its purpose other than to drive people up to consider spending the uh, 30 extra dollars to get the $179 Apple TV 4K 32 gigabyte. Um, 
because that seemed to be why they had priced this that way in the previous update. Uh, I just I just don't find it justifiable um, to offer something that's so kind of old and janky and is not competitive um, with other platforms in terms of the video capabilities. And I know there's a lot of talk about color balance and all that stuff, but it, it still just does HD playback. Uh, so you're not future-proofing anything by buying that. Um, it doesn't make any sense to buy an HD streaming platform for $150 uh, in 2021. Uh, it makes even less sense than it did in 2015. So just think about that, Apple, please. Uh, and, you know, if you want to have like an Apple TV SE or something like that, and it's the same whatever previous generation... Um, but not not as good. Maybe it has eight gigabytes of storage. Oh, that really, <laughs> really get people. Um, you, you do you can do something like that. I don't care. Uh, just it, it doesn't make any sense to sell something that's six years old like that. I will say, to Apple's credit, that their continued um, development and uh, investment into that Apple TV from you know five and a half years ago has paid off for me in uh, that the original system that I bought has improved dramatically from what it was when it shipped mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that the longevity of this platform um, is a is what I feel like the real value is as opposed to what the thing actually ships with. The, the promise that it's going to be good six years from now um, is something to the, something that is worth evaluating in a way that is not necessarily true of other products that may seem a little bit more disposable. Uh, I will say that I'm saying that it's positive that the longevity of the Apple TV HD, as someone who bought it back then, I wouldn't say that it's a positive if you were buying a new one right now. I, I don't expect it to have that uh, delivery on that investment of $150, you know, five or six years from now. I don't think you're really going to uh, be using that quite in the same way as you would be if you spent the 30 extra dollars and bought the 4k uh, uh, model. Uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but it's good to know that this 4k model that I bought will be useful going forwards uh, for six years. And, you know, maybe this HD will stick around for three or something. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows when they'll just be like, well, we give up. I, yeah, it is a little surprising that that one's still around, but um, yeah, now I've got two, think yeah i think i have let's see i've got a four i've got is it two 4ks and one hd yeah i've got some semblance of different different ones just hanging around so um it's whatever i end up doing with them um like you said it is nice that they are paying attention to those still and that they still do work but i do wonder if most of those have ended up as um the reason why they still sell the Apple TV HD is like a schoolroom and boardroom type <laughs> thing, because I know, you know, using them as a, um, as a way to uh, airplay, airplay yeah. yeah, is kind of popular um, for those situations. So could be. Yeah. I, and that was one of the reasons why they kept the Apple TV third gen around for quite some time i think it was like a year and a half after the fourth gen came out uh they still had the and the, by then the third generation apple tv was very long in the tooth uh because it had existed for probably f- four years i want to say i'm just I'm guessing off the top of my head uh before the unveiling of the apple tv fourth gen um and that third gen 
never got the capabilities or anything of the others. Uh, it got some like little performance improvements or whatever, but it was just like an airplay puck that was $70. Uh, and a lot of people swooped in and bought those when that price discount happened from $99 to uh, $69. And then Apple vacated that price point. Um, I, but you're right. Maybe there are education people who are buying it and they're just like, oh, well, it's, you know, the, the cheaper one will get that one, I guess. But there are so many TVs that ship with AirPlay now uh, bundled in them now that Apple has opened that up uh, that I, I'm curious to know if that changes anything going forwards. Uh, if the number of people who are buying things for AirPlay uh, or who are buying Apple TVs for AirPlay uh, reduces because they have AirPlay through other means. I I think I think I think the jury's still out on evaluating the impact of that and the other decisions like HomeKit with Samsung TVs and uh, I think LG and uh, doing the other stuff uh, like whether or not that actually really strongly uh, changes uh, the the landscape of people who are considering purchasing an Apple TV whether or not they're like oh well I already got the thing with my TV or with this other streaming thing so i don't need to pursue it like i already i can watch the ted lasso network whenever i want to through my (laughs) fire tv right um and uh that that may take some of the luster off of this i feel like it's hard to convince people oh yeah the menus are more fluid or you see this jog wheel that works some of the time that'd be interesting uh so maybe maybe some people are lured by that but uh or, or they have those experiences with the apple tv app on those smart TVs and they're like, Oh, this is kind of janky. I wish it was better. And then they shell out for the, the full thing. But this is still seems too early to predict uh, what will happen there in my personal opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm glad that the, you know, whatever system people are using, whatever they choose to, whatever content platform they choose to buy from, that they're able to access it in more places. Uh, but I have found it interesting, the difference, uh, the strategy there, as Apple makes its Apple TV Plus available in more places and makes some of its technology available in more places. Because it's weird having a TCL Roku TV that it itself supports AirPlay and is... um it, it itself supports AirPlay 2 and has the Apple TV app like built into it, but I don't ever use it for that. It is just the screen for my Apple TV. Um, and so folks could, you know, ostensibly buy a, a Roku TV, never have an Apple TV, and it's just fine. And that that keeps the Apple TV in that hobby place, um, which is not bad necessarily because Apple's got a lot of antitrust um stuff going on right now so it's it's good that they're not like i don't know artificially kind of closing off that that you can just kind of get apple tv stuff everywhere yeah but at the same time it does make you wonder hmm what is your strategy there yeah do you think do you think they're running this so poorly because because they want to be able to point to the point it out to the judge and be like hey look do you think we'd be doing this if we were if we were actually trying to make money um uh, (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i I don't know exhibit c (laughs) Yeah, it feels it feels a little like um I guess QuickTime for Windows or something. It's like how how many people did that lure over to using a Mac uh you know to have that brush stainless steel interface on on Windows um and sort of that approximation of what Macs look like uh in a in a different software platform uh that functioned differently. 
I, I don't know if that was what really enticed people um, as much as it was the joy of using that hardware. And it seems hard to give that sort of like narrative pitch for what the Apple TV currently is. Um, and uh, maybe they'll hopefully they'll come up with something for that uh, in the future. I'm happy to see these improvements such as they are uh, for right now. I just wish it would be better. But, you know, isn't that always the case? And maybe someday it will be. Maybe someday we'll all just be happy with what we have. Uh, and and uh, then I'll melt, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm melting. Yeah. You poured your happiness on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that would be kind of gross, I guess. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> A bucket of happiness is what melts Joe Rosenstiel. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it can't be the title. <laughs> Look, happiness comes in many forms, Joe. It oh, comes in many forms. It sure does. Uh, and uh, on that note, I think it's a good place to stop. <laughs> Goodbye, <Please>. Micah. <laughs> Goodbye, Joe.